Oh, you want me to go? <laughs> yeah, you I'll keep going. First two. <laughs> sure. So every other week, Dwayne and I, oh my God, this is just getting, oh, I even said Dwayne. Oh, every other week. <laughs> All right, stop. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Welcome to Infinite Insights, the podcast designed for all TK-12 math teachers. I'm Maggie Peters, math consulting teacher for the Rankin Valley School District here in Northern California. And I'm Dwayne Habecker, math coordinator for Merced County Office of Education. Every other week, Dwayne and I will share something new in math, a research study or article or some other mathy thing, and we'll talk it over, bounce ideas off of each other, and think about how to implement it in the classroom. So, Dwayne, yeah, right. how you doing? Yes. How you doing? I'm doing great, and you know what? We are not going to talk about Pisa this time. So I'm actually feeling a little uplifted, a little, little lighter on my feet today awesome. because of that. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah now, I'm are you about are you getting ready for the rain? What? Um, I said I was excited for our topic, and yes, I am getting ready for the rain. I uh, tried to thaw myself out all day today because it was like, I don't know, 30-something when I started the day. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. It was cold down here in Merced, and we're uh, they're, they're doing some shuffling of the office, so all of the doors were open to the outside so the movers could move all of our furniture and stuff, so it was arctic inside oh, today. Man. Crazy. Huddled together. All right. <laughs> I know. That's pretty much it. All right. So All what right. are you talking so, about today, Dwayne? Okay. So here's the deal. We're not talking about Pisa. I already said that. Um, you and I, we've been in this series of, of doing all the, the, the studying that report, the 10 questions we can answer by looking at the Pisa data. Uh, that was from our good friend, Eric Lee. Uh, but we're going to take a little bit of a break. And so today, uh, we're going to be talking about um, how teachers can continue their professional growth. And that's really kind of why you and I made this, decided to make that. Well, no, that's why you decided to make this podcast. I'm doing this podcast because you kept asking me and I couldn't say no after a while. Uh, so... <laughs> But that's why we're that's why we're doing this podcast is because we want to help teachers continually grow and get better and not be stagnant. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, you took the bull by the horns, Maggie. Yeah, I really like this topic. I feel like um, I'm reading a new PLC book um, that's come out through AC, ASCD and um you know, it's really inspired me to kind of stay current and help others stay current. So it's kind of, you know, we're not going to grow as a profession if we don't, you know, kind of stay in the know of what's going on. And I feel like sometimes people don't stay in the know because they don't know how. So I thought we could maybe chat a little bit about it today. Um, I love it. I love it. So there were a couple of articles that I'm basing some of this off of, and um, they will be in our podcast, the links to it. Um, and um, and But I just thought we could maybe talk about the main ideas together. How does that sound? Yeah, I love it. Okay. It's great. Now, before you get started, can I, can I say, okay, this is crazy 
crazy important for teachers to continue their 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 own professional growth. And can I share why this is kind of important? Yeah. Is that cool? Okay, so up until the 80s, doctors treated ulcers with uh, milk and bland food because ulcers up until the 80s was an incurable you know, at that time condition, uh, totally incurable. If you were, if you came down with ulcers, you had it for life. Cause we didn't know what to do. Uh, but then an, uh, a doctor in Australia learned that, uh, he discovered that ulcers were oftentimes are almost always caused by bacteria in the stomach that could easily be treated with a few days of antibiotics. And so in, in a, a day instantly, what was a lifetime condition became tr- uh, curable in a week, right? Well, it took American doctors 20 years before they decided to update their protocol for ulcers and start giving antibiotics whenever a, a, a patient came down with, a, with an ulcer. Hmm. So I'm thinking- of those 20 years worth of American patients with ulcers who had to live unnecessarily with pain simply because their doctors chose not to update their procedures and their protocols and their routines. And I don't know, we, we, as teachers, we want to, we want to strive for better than that. Don't we? Yes. And I think in the PLC book that I was just mentioning, um, it's called Facilitating Teacher Teams and Authentic PLCs, the Human Side of Leading People, Protocols and Practices by Daniel Venables. Um, He says this quote, it says, let's face it, conventional thinking leads to conventional teaching, which although not altogether a bad thing, leads to conventional, um, parentheses, reads slow, rates of growth. So I think, you know, just as that story exhibited, yeah, conventional theories may be okay and working for you, but it's, you know, it makes it everything grow much slower or go much slower. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, good way to start it off, I think. Um, So some of the ways that I think we can stay current in our profession, and I saw this over and over again in many of the articles that I was reading, was basically staying current in the research itself. Um, You know, just having an awareness of the latest findings and trends and understandings, um, the conversations that are having in the field of education, um, whether you watch a TEDx video or, um, you know, you listen to a web quest, sorry, (laughs) a podcast, um, you know, staying in with what current researchers are studying is a, is a huge, you know, bang for your buck. Um, because you can back that up with, you know, real things that you can do in the classroom. You know, you know, I know when I started teaching, um, a long time ago, I was kind of an arrogant jerk in that I, I thought, oh, well, the researchers, they don't know what they're talking about because they're off in the colleges in their ivory towers spouting off things that I should be doing. What do they know? I'm the one in the trenches, right? So I thought there was this um, divide between 
the researchers and the actual practitioners. And now I've seen the error of my ways and I'm like, geez. But I don't know if it's an error. I don't know if it's an error as much as it, that is kind of how it was. They thought data was the end all be all and that, you know, students were the test subjects, so to speak, and they had a number. And, you know, now I think it's much more of a storytelling qual what is that qualitative um data mm-hmm. so it makes it much more feasible and usable because they're actually taking it from kids in a classroom not the perfect classroom but many classrooms yeah yeah that's true and and like john hattie's met meta studies where he's like looking at actual impact on students and mm-hmm. Joe Bowler and her classrooms where she's working with actual kids and she can report out on how our things are going. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, so we do need, I totally agree. Teachers in the classroom need to understand that the, the distance from the researchers to the classroom is not nearly as big as maybe it used to be. And we should really, we should really listen to them and give it a try in the classroom. And you know what? I think we're, we're really in a time that we're lucky because so many people are videoing interviews with some of the top researchers like Hattie. Um, they're having TED conferences. They are having webinars. They, you know, they're out there. So if you don't want to read their research per se, you there are ways to hear what they have to say without going to Google Scholar and reading all of their scholarly work that, you know, doesn't make sense anyway because of the lofty language and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. true enough. And, and the truth be told, I have i don't read a whole heck of a lot of research. I really get the, I, I, I dig into the research after I, I read from like these key publications, you know, like, um, uh, like NCTM or ASCD. And do you know what? But I, I, I looked up ASCD. I went to their website and I tried uh-huh. to figure out what it stood for. Did you figure out what it stood for, ASCD? Um, I can find out. I, 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 I thought, I mean, the best I could do is guess that it's Association for Supervisors of Curriculum and Development, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I think they, it's a, it's a thing that they just now call it ASCD because it's easier than the actual name. But anyway, the point is <laughs> I digress. I have like 54 but, books around me right now and none of them say what it is. So that's a great question. They all just say ASCD. Okay. So anyway, but the idea is I often, before getting to the research, I read these um, publications from these professional organizations first because they're the ones that are going to, they're going to put the research in nice, uh, Dwayne friendly words. And, um, and, and so that if I want to dig deeper into the actual research, I can later. Um, but boy, getting all those professional organizations and reading their articles is, uh, is a great start. Mm -hmm. Association for supervision and curriculum development. Ah, there it is. Okay, I was close. All you right. Close. I'm impressed with you. Yeah. Um, well, that, tried. that was one of the next points is reading key publications uh-huh. is like looking for those professional orga- organizations. And, you know, I have to say ASCD has been one of my favorites. I know 
I'm a part of NCTM as well. Um, but ASCD has really spoken to me a lot because they send out a lot of um, articles and they're constantly making you question what you're doing and um, in a good way. Um, but it's not just focused on one thing. It's about being a good teacher. So there's always amazing webinars about, you know, how to help students in math who are struggling to how to help behavior problems. And it just gives a good, nice, I don't know, it gives me a look into what my colleagues in the field are saying, you know, not yeah. just pointed in math. So it makes me, you know, I really, really like it. And yeah, they have- like, you know, they ha- it Go helps ahead. you be a, like a, it helps you be like a well-rounded teacher. Cause it's kind of, it addresses all aspects of teaching. Right. Right. And they have an educational leadership, um, magazine that I've been getting as a coach and talk about the articles that are coming straight from the current research and making it friendly. This magazine is full of it. And I know NCTM does it too with their teaching children mathematics and um, the middle school mathematics teacher magazines. Um, It makes it more fun to read the research like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of like whets your appetite so that you get interested by reading the easy language. And then if you're really interested, then you could jump into the research and, you know, you can kind of swim through it a little bit easier because you'd kind of did that pre-read with the, uh, the friendly. Exactly. 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 Um, the next one, I think I'll let you talk about, because I know that you go to quite a few of these, it's attend key gatherings or conferences. And I know you go to present a lot. Um, I go to learn a lot. Um, but what do you, what are you thinking about it? Well, you know, okay. So of, so you got research and you've got the reading of your professional organizations. This is the one that uh, attending key gatherings is, um, you know, it's, it's iffy. I love it, but it's time consuming because you got to give up your time. Either you're going to have to uh, prepare sub plans and you're going to be gone during school or it's going to cost you a weekend, right? Cause you're going to go to some sort of conference over the weekend and then they cost money. Uh, not only do you have to pay for the conference, but you might have to pay for a sub as well. But given all of those costs in time and money, this is really a powerful thing for me. I love going. And now I'm at the point where I, I almost always present, um, at least one session at the conferences I go to, but it, the networking at these conferences is just so stinking powerful. You see the people, um, that you've, come to like, you know, a network with, and, and sometimes you'll see them on Twitter and then you see them in real life at these conferences. Um, this is a really important, it it gets you that human touch as we're trying to help teachers grow. Uh, this is the human side where you get to see, um, people face to face. And that's, that's what I like. I, a couple, not a couple, yeah, a couple of years ago, I I was able to go to the NCTM math conference here when they had it in San Francisco. And it was amazing because it made the people like, I don't know, Dan Meyer and um, some of those names, Robert Kaplinsky, those people who I saw there, like it made them real. And it, it, it brought them down from like, 
I don't want to say fame status, but like somebody who I really like looked up to, to, Hey, you're just like me. You're trying to figure it out. And when we talk, like we both come up with ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It humanizes our effort, right? Exactly. And it doesn't mean that I, I don't know. I walk away feeling I can do this just as much as they can. And, you know, and we get ideas from one another and that goes into like the fourth, one of the fourth things of, of some of these articles is developing that network of colleagues. They're no longer these people in the white tower. They are your colleagues asking you for opinions or listening to what you're reading, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's that human touch. That's where the, the, we're, we're in the business of raising humans, right? And if we're going to grow ourselves, it's probably going to be through human to human interaction. And this is it. We have to uh, create that network that Mm -hmm. of of people who are going to stretch you as well as the people who are going to kind of support you and agree with you. (laughs) It's, you need both, right? You do, you do. And teaching can be so isolating stuck into in your classrooms whether you teach math or social studies or any subject right right now the way to network i'm going to i'm going to go scrolling way down to my little list down there yeah but, please um the for me the way that i network uh is through twitter mm-hmm. uh, i i don't do a whole heck of a lot of talking uh on twitter although i i'm i'm learning how to do that i but when I created my Twitter account years ago, I just lurked for years. Uh, just and all I did was read people's comments, and I would follow them. And if somebody retweeted somebody, I would look at that person who got retweeted and see if I want to follow that person. And and for the first few years, all I did was curate a list of people that I liked learning from. And so I would follow people and unfollow. And as I was kind of developing that, I don't know, that perfect list of people that I wanted to network with. And I I tell you, Twitter is it for me, Uh, especially hashtag MTBOS. And uh, I don't even know how to say it. Mitboss, maybe MTBOS, but um, crazy wonderful community of people that are constantly uh, sharing great ideas. And doesn't it stand uh, for like math teachers blogosphere or something? Uh, the T stands for Twitter. So it's math Twitter, Twitter blogosphere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're kind of like this, that name suggests that they're really kind of trying to hit this multimedia. They're, they're trying to form a community that meets on Twitter and in mm-hmm. blogs and on the internet and and they're just this it's a web 2.0 community of right. math teachers it's really stinking powerful and in the powerful. same vein in the same vein as how you've kind of logged into twitter i am the same on facebook um you know, I follow a lot of math people. I watch a lot of their, um, vlogs on, you know, when they present on Facebook, um, you know, the short, quick, I guess not ads, um, journal entries and things like that. And that's how I get my feed through people. Yeah. 
Yeah. That, you know, that reminds me of, um, <clears throat> not to just turn this into commercials for everybody, but I'm going to turn this into a commercial for everybody. Cause, um, these are good. Like, um, you know, uh, uh, up earlier you had said things like, well, we should attend key gatherings and we should network, right? These are the two, mm-hmm. two of the big four. Well, nowadays in the internet, we can network and go to these conferences virtually, and Facebook and Twitter is a good place for these virtual trainings. And um, you just reminded me of one that uh, her name's Christina Tondevald. Yep. And do you know her? I do. I follow her. She's amazing. She is. And she does a lot of little short little vlogs. And uh, you can learn a lot just by listening to some people toss out some thought provoking stuff. And um she also does the PD in your PJs. So mm-hmm. uh, it's this virtual training, a virtual conference. Uh, and I, I presented one of the sessions for her last uh, conference. Uh, it's kind of neat. This is a virtual training. So I talked into the computer and people from all over the world were logging in ostensibly in their pajamas, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. Well, and I think that's a huge point to understand at this, you know, at this juncture is like, we live in a time where technology can help us get out of our classrooms and stay current, like no other, you know, there's just so much information, you just have to choose to make the time for it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, Go ahead. There, well, there's just so many resources for those webinars. I made a, so we're going to put all of these in our show notes, but uh, NCTM has a, a link to all of their webinars and, and webcasts. And I don't know the difference between a webinar and a webcast, but um, past ones are available. They're archived and for free. I think you might have to be a member for NCTM to access some of these. Uh, I am a member. So that's another thing for helping teachers grow is all darn it join your professional organizations uh in california that's the california math council and then Mm -hmm. nationally speaking that's the national council of teachers of mathematics but there's also because we're coaches the national council of supervisors of mathematics ncsm and i that's a i love that that organization that's my favorite uh Hmm. all time yeah yeah, um, the conference, uh, the NCSM is always um, like three days right in front of the big NCTM annual national conference. So they, they're always consecutive days and uh, by design. And I turn it into a big old huge week-long uh, conference fest. Uh, <laughs> first first a few days of NCSM and then NCTM following. It's, it's good. So, okay, so webinars. You've got NCTM offers a bunch of webinars, ASCD, you're our favorite, right? They have a bunch of webinars. So people understand we've been throwing the word webinars out a lot. Webinars are like usually an hour long mini conference, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, done by an author and um, that has, you know, they're kind of like summarizing their book for you or whatnot, but you get a lot of really good information really quickly. And, um, usually you can sign up and they're, I've always noticed since we're here in California, they're back East times. Um, but they'll generally send you the replay afterwards. So you can watch it whenever you want. 
Yep. Yep. And, and I then, know. <clears throat> well, and then, you know, like what you said, the webinars are kind of generally short, but then the longer version are the MOOCs, M-O-O-C, massive mm-hmm. open online course, maybe is what it stands for. And uh, Stanford Online has this great offer where you yeah. just go there and they have a bazillion um, extended online courses for free. I just finished one on how to integrate ELD strategies in a math classroom. And it was eight weeks long. And uh, each week they would send out a new series of things to do and you do it and you submit your answers. And at the end, you get a little certificate if you finish it. But um, it was, it's free from Stanford, like the Stanford. Um, (laughs) And you know, What's cool is that um, our Office of Education um, here in Sonoma County, we actually used one of those MOOCs as a group gathering. And so a bunch of teachers from across the district came and we did the mindset course that Joe Bowler offered. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, but we ended up like, you know, after each little segment discussing and acting things out and figuring out how we could use that to benefit our students. It was fascinating. So also look for offerings from your um, Office of Education too. Nice. That's a good one. And in fact, I work for an office of education. I should have thought of that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Okay, real quick, just to kind of wrap it up, Mm -hmm. I think two really of the last um, things that I want to talk about, about how to stay current, um, are things that aren't necessarily what you think um, would be something to keep you current, but it really, I think they're the most powerful. First one is reflect, reflect, reflect. (laughs) I think the more you can reflect on what you have learned from your students, from your principal, from your school district, from your colleagues, the better you will be. Um, Because you have to really understand what you're doing in order to get better at your craft of teaching. Um, so really reflect on what you're, what you're doing. And one of the best ways that you can reflect is to, this is the second thing that I think is the most powerful way to stay current is listen to your students. Nice. They're going to like, they're going to let you know how you're doing and how any changes to your teaching are going. They may not tell you verbally, but they'll definitely tell you with their behaviors. You just have to be willing to listen to it with an open mind. Um, because I think for me personally, when behaviors start rising in my classroom, um, I look at what I'm doing. I don't blame, my kids aren't the first ones I blame. I look at what I'm doing and then say, okay, maybe this is too hard. Maybe this is not engaging enough. Maybe this is something, you know, that I need to look into Um, because really your kids, they're going to let you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. You know, when we approach student behavior as a form of communication. When students are misbehaving, they're not misbehaving. They're just communicating something to us. And we need to think about that. Okay. Why are they behaving the way they're behaving? What, what can I do? How can I, uh, uh, contribute to a solution here? Um, uh, yeah. Behavior is a form of communication. Boy, that's beautiful. And Maggie. Because, 
Yeah. And because students are changing every day, they're the ones who are, you know, our real live data. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. I mean, it can't be the only thing, but it's a huge portion You're of right. staying current. If we don't have time for research, if we don't have time for articles, and if we can't go to conferences, we can still learn by reflecting on our practice and watching the kids and seeing what they're trying to tell us. Exactly. And I I think too, they'll tell you like, like if you bring up, I don't know, Dora the Explorer, who was 15 years ago popular (laughs) and they're like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We don't watch that anymore. It's all about Paw Patrol. I don't know, but that's a huge thing. You got to be with them. That's right. That's right. So, anyway, um, so I think it's time to wrap up this edition of Infinite Insights. Dwayne, what are your closing thoughts? Uh, if you're not growing, you're dying. So do everything you can to keep growing. How about okay. you, Maggie? What are your <laughs> What are your closing thoughts? Oh, wow. <laughs> um. I think I, you know, I go back to that conventional thinking leads to conventional teaching and you know, that may be true. You may be at the most boring in service ever, but really try to always look for at least one thing that you can learn to push yourself or reflect on something that will push you to be a better teacher because you don't want to be that teacher who is giving outdated information um, or using outdated methods um, to educate your students. Agreed. Like time tests, but that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Hey, so, talk about anxiety today. What that's the heck? true. What's up, man? <laughs> so don't forget, people. Uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already done so and send us a shout out on Twitter. I'm at D Habecker and Maggie is at Pele Lover One. And as usual, have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Absolutely. Every other Monday here at Infinite Insights. I'll see you later, Maggie. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>